This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Your Bible's pre-marked, it should be, in Hebrews chapter 11. I want to remind us that we are on lesson 5. I think we're on lesson 5 now in this series, and we have been identifying some things about ourselves. We are identifying if we are prepared for God's next move. Are we prepared for what's coming next? We can say we are, but I believe over these last few weeks, God has been challenging us to really examine our lives, to really see if we really are prepared. Not just in word on, but only, but in the things that He's beginning to deal with you about. And here in, and here in uh, Hebrews chapter 11 and 7, we've been, we have the, which is our theme scripture, and it has been guiding us throughout this teaching, and we're, if we're prepared for God's next move. And in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, it reads, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. We've learned here over the past few weeks that Noah was ready in advance. We, brought, we recognize that Noah did advance planning. He was ready because he had a plan and he worked the plan. See, it's more, it's, it's, you got to do something. It's, it's okay to have a plan, but you have to learn to work that plan. He was prepared to deal with the adversities that were going to come up. He was going, he, he, he already knew. He, the whole time he was building the ark, he was still talking to God. He knew that would be, let me tell you, if nothing else, if, if you're going to stay on the ark 40 days and 40 nights with two of every kind of animals, adversity is going to come up. And that's even before you get to land. There are some things. That, can you imagine what was going on on the ark with all those animals having to feed them every day, having to wash them every day, having to do all those things? But he had advanced planning. God began to speak to his heart even while he was preparing and building. Amen? And so the question this morning is, not was Noah prepared, but are you prepared? Noah has done his duty, and he's got his reward. So now, if the ball is in your park, are you prepared? And, and you have to be prepared in this time. We're in a time of turmoil. We're in a time of a pandemic. We're in a time of distress. We're, time of, we're in a time of just social, just out of order. Everything about uh, the, 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 the country that we live in is all out of order. How are you prepared with all of this going on? Are you, we need to ask yourself, are you prepared to be used by God? Are you prepared to deal with adversities yourself? Are you prepared to carry out a plan and work the plan when God gives you a plan? Are you prepared to work it? Because you've got to let God give you a plan. Don't you go give God your plan. Let God give you a plan, and then you purpose to work that plan. Amen? Then I want to ask the question, are you prepared to go through the process 
of restoration. It's a process. It's a process. Are you prepared to go through it? See, we want everything instantly. But no, in God, what God is doing, even when He's teaching us as He's going, it's a preparation. It's a process. Are you prepared? Oh, I just want this over. You know, I, no, no. You need to be prepared to go through the process of restoration. And then you have to ask yourself, are you prepared to restore the breaches in your lives, in your homes? In your finances, in every area, are you prepared to, to, to look at those broken places in your life where you've had continual failure and God is calling you into another place so that you can win? Amen. So we, wanted to, we want to make sure that we're looking at We have areas in our lives, every one of us have areas in our life where we've had repeated failures. It should become less and less because of what you're learning as you grow and develop, those things should fall away. They should fall off. Amen. So, we also want to, want to know if you're prepared to establish a plan for your life. Are you prepared to establish the house based on the principles of God? Are you prepared to establish your house and base it on the principles of God? You gotta be, you know, we want to prepare a house and own everything but God. You have to be prepared to establish your house based on the principles of the Word of God that's being taught here. You're being taught the Word of God. You base your house on that. You don't have to go, God didn't even have it where you have to go hunt and try. He's placing it right here. Walk in what you've been taught and you're basing your house and you're establishing your house on the Word of God. Amen. We said the intent of this teaching is just to keep us focused. That's the main thing. We just want to stay focused because everything that's going on is hard to stay focused. And we want you to stay focused. We want you to stay focused on the work that you've done before the pandemic. We want you to stay focused on the work that you're doing now that the pandemic is here. And we also want you to focus on the work that is to come. That's work that's going to be to come. You know, you've you got to be on point for that. What, what, what else? What, what is God doing? When this is all over, the pandemic's all over, you need to be already focused on what's next, God. Let, let me be able to move in there. Because there's still work that needs to be done. Amen. There are still things that need to be done. If we're going to accomplish the will of God, things need to be done. And then we said the purpose of our teaching is to maximize this dispensation of time that God has given us. It's simply a span of time. It's not a whole lot of time, but it's a span of time. God has given us a moment of time. God has given us a window of time. And when you recognize that I, oh, so this is only a moment, I need to make good of it. If this is only a window of time, I need to make good of it. And, 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 and you have to do His will within that time span. And it's essential that we maximize, maximize, get the full benefit of this dispensation that we're in. This dispensation of the pandemic, it's going to come to an end. And have you maximized it? Or have you just sat around and just uh, waiting for what you all call the normal to come back? Listen, if you understand anything, if you study out the, the, the life of Noah, you will find out that he had to build an ark in the midst of a perilous time. 
in the midst of a perilous time. And oftentimes God is going to call us and have set us aside to build in the midst of a turmoil time. We're not waiting for the turmoil to be over. He's like, no, I need you doing something while it exists. So I need you to be doing something while the pandemic is going. I need, you know, everybody got their different things that they're doing at the base. Oh, people done picked up this. They picked up that. But have you picked up your Bible? Uh, you know, now I'm doing this. It's a pandemic. You know, now I do this and now I do that. But you ain't, you have, what are you doing for God? You're doing all of that and it's going to come to an end. And have you, what, what, what do you have? Do, you need to make sure that you're focusing on the things of God. God was requiring Noah to do a righteous work in an evil time. And God is causing, uh, calling for us to do a work in, the, in an evil time. We understand what time it is. And I believe that with my whole heart that God is calling many of us to do a work right here, right now, in the midst of an evil time. He's not waiting for things to clear up. You don't have to wait. Why would you have to wait for anything to clear up when you're doing the work of the Master? We don't have to do that. And the goal of this teaching is to make sure that we are prepared for what comes next. In church, I've said it throughout every teaching, there's always a next. Our life is a succession of next, of things that's going to, the next thing that happened. And we have to be prepared spiritually, naturally, and financially for what comes next. There should not be any surprise to us of the different things that's going to come next. We have learned some things in these lessons, and it has caused us to do some self-inspection. That's what it's for, to see if you are prepared, to see if you are really where you say that you are. And so in our first lesson, we asked the question, am I awake during this dispensation of time? Because it is essential that you be awake. But we do know that you can have your eyes wide open and still not be awake. We can, you, we, it can look like you're all in and you not even be there. So we understand that. We, you know, we, we, just because you're saying, oh yeah, I'm, I'm awake, I'm awake. No, awake means that you're busy and about the Father's business. So ask yourself, are you there? Amen. It's essential, we said, uh, with everything that's going on, it's essential that we be aware of the time. We have, to, we have to understand the spiritual climate that we're in. We have to be aware of this and um, of what's going on spiritually and a natural understanding of what's happening. See, we can't, you know, those you can't say, well, I'm just not going to even pay attention to what's going on. No, you need to pay attention to what's naturally going on. Some people go to the extreme going on with the natural and then do very little with the spiritual climate. But there's a balance in it all. You need to know, you need to have your finger on the pulse of both. Your spiritual climate and the natural climate of what's going on in our country and in your life. Amen. Then we said we need to be alert of temptation. Temptation is always there. We need to be alert or we need to see it coming before it gets to us, not after you've yielded. You need to make sure you're alert to temptation. We must be able to respond to the instructions and the corrections of God. And then we ask the question, is my heart ready? You know, we always say we're ready, but is your heart ready? Most people, they're, they're kind of attentive to God's instruction, but they don't want any correction. Because once God starts correcting, it's no longer God, it's the person that's doing the correcting. 
All of a sudden, God is not using his instruments for anything but just to lift me up. But you must be able to respond to correction as well as instructions. And then ask him the question, is my heart ready? Church, just because you desire something doesn't mean your heart is ready to do it. Many of us desire different things, but is your heart ready for what you say you desire? You can desire to be restored. You can desire to establish your homes. You, you know, you can say, I'm going to establish my home in the principles of God. That's what I want to do. But because you desire it, desire it does not mean that your heart is ready for it. Your heart has to be ready for it. Then you're going to put it into action. You're going to make application of it. You're going to apply. But just saying that you go, oh, I want my children to always walk with God. Well, what are you doing for that? What are you doing for that? Your heart is ready, we said, when you are strong and have courage. And we said, you get knowledge, you are strong and you have courage. Knowledge will give you that. Your heart is ready when you can make tough decisions. Tough decisions, like the things that the minister was saying this morning. A lot of things are tough decisions you have to make. Sometimes you don't make decisions, important decisions that's going to change people's lives just off the top of your head or just because they're your children or just because they, you got to know how to make the tough decision. Sometimes you have to put people over, the, over something that you know your children are not ready for. And that's a tough decision because you'll be like, oh, if I'm gone, you know, they'll think I didn't. It doesn't matter what you think. you got to learn to make the tough decisions in whatever area that you need. Amen? And, and, and understand this, you have to practice making tough decisions because you're not going to live this life without, without coming upon that. You're going to have to make tough decisions one day. Your heart is ready, we said, when you are prepared for change. You are prepared to change. Not only for change, but prepared to change. You, listen, get it in your head. You must change. God will not. He will not. He is established forever. He doesn't have to change. Listen, by now, every one of you that's listening to some especially those that belong to this ministry, you need to stop waking up every day saying, I can't wait until everything's back to normal. Let's stop saying that. Stop waking up. Oh, God, I just can't wait till everything get back to normal. By now, you should be waking up saying, you know what, I, you know, I just should, I'm so glad I know how to live. And do what God has called me to do. In this new normal. See, we stop talking about what's coming back. I can't wait to this. I can't wait to that. No, I need to say, I need to be doing the will of God in this new normal. Listen, I have news for you. Just because the vaccine is out. If the pandemic all of a sudden just disappears, which it won't, if it like it never existed and it's over and done, guess what? Still, nothing will ever be normal like you once knew it. Get ready for that. Own that because we will not. It'll never be back that way again. Listen, and this is what this tells me. If all you're doing is thinking about, you know, I'll be glad when everything gets back to normal, you know, you know what that means? That means that I'm not doing the work right now to be productive in the time that you're in because you're busy trying to wait for when the normal come back. 
So I'm not doing nothing right now until everything becomes normal. Well, you're not being productive. Are you with me? You have to stop. Listen, stop waiting on yesterday and plan for tomorrow. Stop waiting on that. Okay, uh, no, no. You have to prepare for tomorrow. And stop just, just, just thinking about, you know, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. No. Then we ask, uh, are you prepared to make the commitment? See, I can desire something, but you may not be ready to make the commitment. You may not be ready or prepared to make a pledge. And remember what we said, a pledge is when you give your word as security for your actions. Are you prepared to give your word for the security of your action? Can we take you at your word? Can God take you at your word? God, I'm going to do it. How many times have you told God you were going to do what he asked, and you still haven't? No security of your word. You don't, you don't want to make a pledge to God, but he's already commanded that you do. And, all, and then one thing you have to understand, and those of you even that do pastor's compensation, those who do tithes and offerings, those that support this listen, your commitment is to God. No one else. No one else. You're not hurting me. You're not hurting anyone. Let me tell you, God has gotten me every all. He has had my family for these 33 years plus. And let me tell you, and he'll always have. So that it doesn't even make your commitment is not to a person. It's to God. You'll learn that once you get to heaven and you'll find out, oh, I thought I was God. said, well, I taught it. I had, I had it taught to you all the time. But I thought it was just them. Well, whatever. Your commitment is always to God. Amen. And what you're saying is, God, when you make a pledge, when you begin to make a commitment, you're saying, God, I am committed to do what, you say, what you've asked me to do. You're saying, God, I give you my word. Did you hear me? In exchange for my actions. Saying, God, I, you know I'm going to do this, no matter what. See, I'm, again, I'm saying, when you're ready to make the commitment. Amen? Then we said, are you prepared to take on an assignment and be faithful? Are you prepared to make a commitment to be in prison? That's a commitment. See, I, th- let me tell you, this pandemic is showing, showing, shows me those who are committed. Showing God those who are committed. Because if all it took was the pandemic, you were never committed. Amen? Am I prepared to give up my freedom and my will voluntarily? See, imprisonment, you're, gonna, you're like, I'm going in prison and I know it. That's what commitment is. I'm making a commitment to something and I'm sta- staying with it voluntarily. I'm giving up my will, my choice, my freedom in order to accomplish what I committed to. It doesn't matter what comes my way. It doesn't matter if I get laid off. I'm committed. It doesn't matter if I change my job or lose my job. I'm committed. I have secured myself in such a way when everything was right that if anything came up, I'm going to stay committed. 
That's what you do. See, but if you do everything else and something come up, you can't even be committed because you didn't prepare. You should always, always have a nest egg, whether it's money, whether it's time, whatever, whatever it is. You should always have it in case something up comes up. I'm making sure everything is placed, so I'm going to stay committed because I'm in prison to it. Because why? That commitment is to God. And then last week we asked, "Am I prepared to obey?" And here's the key: you, you look, you're not going to be able to do what God has called you to do. Say what God called you to say. You know what? If you are not prepared to obey, you learn. You know what? You have to learn to be prepared to obey. When you learn to prepare to be uh, obey, that's when you have faith. That's you. That's when you have faith. It's not about trying to have faith for things and for stuff. Are you prepared to obey? Amen. And you know what? And I I, I got to get this out because a lot of times people with incorrect thinking and some with incorrect teaching think faith is what I need to get God to do for me. And what I need, I need God to obey me. I'm going to put something out there, God, and I'm going to need you to do it. Obey that. I'm going to name it, I'm going to claim it, obey it, God. I'm going to decree it, I'm going to declare it, obey it, God. I'm going to say this is mine. I'm going to lay hands and say this is mine. Obey that, God. That's what most people think faith is. Oh, girl, just name it and claim it right there. Put it on it. I claim that in the name of Jesus. You're ordering Jesus around? You didn't ask Jesus if he wanted you to have that? You just said, Jesus, get it for me. And, I mean, you go through the whole rigmarole. Father, thank you. you sending the angels to prepare the way and putting the right people in position to make sure I get it. God, go get it and go do it. Some people even command God to stop by people's house. God, I need you to go by brother so-and-so house and pray for him. God's like, well, what do I need you for? You're my representative. God, I, you know, and we have whole devotional service where we command God to do this and do that. God, stop by the hospital. God, go to the nursing home. God, we just command God. <laughs> we feel like we have to order God. <laughs> but let me tell you, that's not the case. We obey God. He doesn't obey us. Did you hear me? We obey God. He doesn't obey us. If you go back and read Hebrews 11 real good, you'll find out that there's not one scripture, not one in Hebrews 11 that shows where God was obeying man. But you will find the verse where man had to obey God. And so we come away from that. You kill that. I don't care how many people, and I don't care how many, how long they've been in the Word, and how they, you know, and God this, and I believe this in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Just saying that means nothing. You better make sure everything is lining up with the Word of God, and then don't try to boss God around. So when I have faith, I believe that He is. We found out about He is. I believe that His Word and His will and His instructions are true. And because of this, I'm going to obey Him. I don't just believe that He exists. 
I believe that He is. I'm ready to obey Him. And I have a willing mind to do it. I want to obey Him. That's what I want to do. Are you with me? You know, when you have a willing mind, you stop procrastination. (laughs) You just stop procrastinating when you have a willing mind. You stop making excuses. Because we realized on last week that God knew all those things and all those excuses that you made before he gave you the instructions to obey. Whatever he told you to do, he already knew what you were going to say. He already knew if something happened, what you were going to say. He already knew what was going to happen when he told you to do it. You just didn't. Nothing catches God by surprise. Nothing throws him off. Get that in your head. Nothing changes when circumstance change. The, 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 whatever instruction God gave you before the situation or circumstance happened, it's still, it, it's still there. It doesn't change. And because if it changes, that means God is shocked by what is happening and He needs to make a new plan. God doesn't need to do that. God knew everything that was going to happen, and He still called on you to do it. And why did He do that? Not because you couldn't, because you could. You're the one saying you can't do it, but God says you can. Amen? Now, then we said you have to be prepared to obey, and and you have to be prepared to obey and handle correction. Amen? So we, you, we always say, you know, I, you, I receive it, but you have to receive it with an intent to obey. Oh, I received that word. But do you have to receive it with an intent to obey? Are you with me? Now, if you got all of that, let's go to the book of Titus. And we're going to rest there. That's the only chapter we're going to today because that's the only one we need. <clears throat> Titus chapter 1. And subtitle this one, if you will... Am I prepared to set things in order? Am I prepared to set things in order? Connected with this morning's message and connected with your life. Am I prepared to set things in order? You will not be able to know who God wants you to be, what God wants you to do, what God has set out for you to do without setting things in order. You know, it's interesting hearing that expression, set things in order. And you think to yourself, you set things in order. And you know, I could, I, uh, you look back on it simply meant, let me, let me put it in a simpler way, what set things in order means. It simply means straighten it out. Straighten it out. I can remember when I was a young girl, my mother, and, uh, my mother would say things like, you know, oh, I'm going to straighten it out. You know, oh, oh, and you've heard, you know, you've heard older people, they don't use it as much now. And old, much older people there say, oh, no, uh, when I get there, I'm going to straighten that out. Or I need to get over there and I need to straighten that out. Uh-uh. You know, you hear those things like that. I'm, I'm going to straighten it out. That's all that means. I'm going to set things in order. It means something's crooked and I'm going to straighten it out. What? Oh, no, don't you worry about it. I'm going to go straighten that out. You've all heard it before. Amen. And literally that means to set it in order. It means that something is a little crooked about that. But that's okay. When I get there, I'm going to straighten it out. Set it in order. Are you with me? 
So church, we have to be prepared to set things in order. That is, we have to be ready, prepared to straighten some things out that's in our lives. Listen, I can desire something, but to be prepared to set things in order is different. How many of you know that you can learn to live with things out of order? Did you hear me? You can learn to live with things out of order. You can learn to live with things being not the way they're supposed to be. You can learn to live with things without straightening them out. Without straightening them out. You can learn to just live with it and be like, oh. And it becomes the norm. But in order for me and for you to be prepared, in order for me and for you to establish our houses, in order for me and you to restore the breaches that are in our lives and in our families' lives, we're going to have to not work around some things or ignore some things, letting it like it's normal, but I'm going to have to straighten some things out or set some things in order. And some children won't understand it, but that's okay. It's your house. You're establishing it. Amen? Church obedience requires setting things in order. Did you hear me? Obedience requires setting things in order. And what I've learned about myself, everybody says she's talking about herself because I don't want to talk about you. What I've learned about myself, and maybe it's true for you, and maybe it's not true for anybody else but me. In some areas, I have no problem with straightening things out immediately. But in some areas, I'm not so enthusiastic about straightening it out right away. That's just me. Now, and I'm not going to tell you if that's you. I'm I'm not going to tell you what areas is good and which areas is bad. That's for you to determine. You determine that. But I found myself that it's easier for me to get something else done and then some things it's like, well, I'll just do that another time. You you know, I'll did you know, you know, I can let that stay wrong for a moment. I'm I'm good. I'll get with that whenever I can. Eventually, but what God wants for us is to set things in order that are not in order. No procrastination, no waiting, but getting it done. So here we are in Titus, and here one one of the and, and let me give you a little backdrop before I unpack this in Titus. We find Titus. I hope all of you are there. Paul here is writing a letter to Titus. Titus was a bishop in the early church. And let me tell you, the bishops in the early church are not like the bishops we have here now. I want you to understand that. Because people see that and they go straight to it. No, these are different kinds. You know, we, the church just have, they started their own way of doing bishops. Are you following me? So, Titus was a bishop in the early church. He was a leader in the early church. And he was set up under the authority of Apostle Paul. Just setting the backdrop for you. Now, many of us know Timothy, but, you know, much better than we know Titus. But Titus and Timothy were two young men that Paul entrusted to furthering the gospel. Hold on. Timothy had an assignment, and so did Titus. He had an assignment. 
Timothy had an assignment uh, to go to the church of Macedonia, in particularly the church of Philippi. And then we have Titus. He got an assignment here. And we, we're going to see, see how his assignment played out. And it begins in verse uh, 4. Are you all there? Are you in Titus? What, where did I tell you to go? Okay, yes. Titus, uh, Titus 1 and 4. To Titus. This is, this is Paul writing to Titus. Mine own son... After the common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. He said, for the reason I've, oh, for, the, for this cause, verse 5, for this cause I left thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. Now, he said, for this reason, I've left you in Crete. For a reason. He said, I left you there because there are things that are out of order and needed to be set in order. When Paul said he left him there because there was things wanting, there were things wanting. Church, it causes me and you to think on this question. Have I been left here to set things in order? Ask yourself where you are in life. Have you been set where you are for things in order? So put it this way. Maybe, you know, maybe you've been set there by God or by man. Either way. God or man, they have intentionally left you someplace where things are wanting to set it in order. Instead, of, for some of you out there, instead of wishing for a new house, I don't know if I'm going back to church. I don't know if I'm going back there. I'm going. L- listen, instead of trying to think about a new family, maybe you need to ask yourself the question: Did God leave me in this family? See, 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 we just do things off the top of our head and inside of our feelings. Instead of asking him, oh, you know what, uh, I, I, you know what, I'm, I'm asking, I, I want to go to a new house. You know, I want to, I want to meet some more people. I want to, I want, you know, do, go to another house. I want to deal with some other folk. Maybe it's God that has set you there in this place to deal with things that are wanting. You never know if you don't ask. And see, during this time of pandemic, many of you were uh, doing different things. Listen, before the pandemic, you know, and you were doing things, you know, whatever way that you wanted to another thing. Now now that the pandemic pandemic hit, because you were going to do this and the pandemic hit, now you feel stuck because the pandemic hit. Some of you were going to uh, leave your jobs. Some of you were about to change doing some other things. And then all of a sudden the pandemic. And now you feel kind of stuck. And just maybe, everybody say maybe. Just maybe, church. Maybe it is God or man that just left us there in order to set things in order. 
I want you to take a different look at your situation right now. I want you to take a different look at the place that you are right now. See, maybe you're not there to find a way of escape. Maybe you're there because God or man have set you there because there's something wanting. <laughs> but see, if you never talk to God, you'll never know. You just deal with your life just like the world. But you're bought with a price. You're his. you got to ask him. Listen to me. The word wanting is a very interesting word. When he said, in order that things that are wanting, when something is wanting, listen, it means that it's lacking something. It's in wanting. It means all of the ingredients are not in place. When something is wanting, it is, listen, subject to failure. It doesn't mean it has failed, but if something is wanting, it's subject to fail. When something, listen again, when something is wanting, it doesn't mean that it has failed. It just means that there's some, that, that it's subject to fail if it's not addressed. Are you with me? It's subject to a fail unless it's addressed. The word wanting not only means lacking, are subject to failure, it also means lagging behind. Just kind of lagging behind. When something is wanting, it's just not quite caught up with everything. It's like everything else has started moving ahead and it's lagging behind. And you know, something can lag behind for a while and it's not a big deal, but if it lags behind too much, it can get left behind. Uh, for example, if maybe let's just say that you're following someone in a car. Or you're on a road trip and you're following each other in the car. And people are following you and they kind of start lagging behind and you're looking out the window at them and you can see them and they can see you. And it's no big deal because they can see you and you can see them. And, you know, it's just kind of lagging. But if you notice, if it keeps stays that way, all of a sudden cars start getting in front of them. Then all of a sudden, you, you know, they miss a red light that you caught. I mean, they, they caught a red light and you have gone on. And then all of a sudden, you look back and you say, oh, I've lost them. That means they were lagging behind and they kept lagging behind. And now, I've lost them. See, at first we could see each other. But you wouldn't catch up. And everything starts getting in your way. Other cars start getting in the movement. And you go back, back, further and further back. That's why when you're lagging, you have to catch up. You got to catch up. Amen. And then when you say, you know, I lost them and because they were lagging behind. So there are some things that, you know, maybe some things in wanting that you, you know, you didn't address right away. Or you may have lost that thing. And God is desiring for you to save it. That's why he's saying, listen, it's time for you to make sure that you get to a place where you set things in order. Where you straighten things out. Where you know where I set you. 
And Titus is, uh, Paul is writing to Titus because there are some things that are lacking and things that was lacking in the church at Crete. And the thing that was lacking there was leadership. That's why he said, I need you to ordain elders in every city because they're lacking leadership. He sent him there because there were some things that made them subject, listen, to fail. He said some things that makes us subject to failure. So I need you to be here. And in Crete, the thing that made them subject to fail is that, listen, is they they had some some. I guess you could say unruly teachers. Just unruly teachers. They had people getting up teaching all sorts of things that was contrary to sound doctrine. That's one of the reasons that our founding pastor always, he didn't bring a lot of people in. He said, because God called me to pastor church and because there's so much stuff out there, I don't want them exposed to a bunch of junk and a bunch of unruly teachers for gain. And he's like, no, what God has called me to do, I'm going to teach them so they'll understand. You don't have to go after every little thing that you see. And this is what was happening there. Unruly teachers had came in and the people was getting all sorts of wrong teachings. And Paul knew that if that was not, you know, uh, going to be brought into order, it would cause the church at Crete to fail. And they had some areas where they were lagging behind, and the area where they were lagging behind, again, was in sound doctrine. Because they were, they were being taught by unruly teachers, so they didn't have sound doctrine. I'm so thankful that our founding pastor gave us sound doctrine, that we're not fooled and tricked by foolishness. You see so many people, so many people you love, and you see that they're all tricked and fooled, and that love God by, because they don't have sound doctrine. And some people don't like sound doctrine. They just want feel-good messages. But unless you have sound doctrine, you have nothing to build on but a bunch of fluff. It's like clouds in the, in the sky when you're in the airplane. You know why you can go straight through it? It looks like you can step out on it. It'll hold you up, but step out on it and try. It doesn't. It's just fluff. And then where there's no sound doctrine, you're going to just slip right through. But when you have sound doctrine, it's going to catch you right there. That foundation. You, you fall through. You might get excited about something, and all of a sudden you fall through because you was all excited, and you found, fall right on that sound doctrine that you have and be like, wait a minute. I'm going way off because sound doctrine will hold you up. Say, no, that is, that's not it. Well, this is what was happening they were all into all kind of wrong uh, teachings and without sound doctrine. Paul knew that it was that, and, and he knew what, that, that that thing would cause this church to fail. And so he said, okay, I'm going to need you to do this, Titus. I'm going I'm to set you here. Because they didn't have enough sound doctrine. He knew that they were, that, you know, that they didn't understand the role, what their role was in Christ. When you're in sound doctrine, you know your role in Christ. So Titus was sent there to take care of what was lacking or what was wanting. To bring the leadership, to deal with that which was going on that would cause them to fail. Those unruly teachers then uh, to make, and, and, I mean, he, he was sent there for them too. Sometimes you have to be there just for that, unruly teaching, to make sure that they had, that all the people had good understanding and good doctrine. That's what Titus was there. He was a young man, but he was powerful. 
He said, you need to go there. He said, and assign elders. Get them to go in all the cities because all of this wrong teaching is going forth. They need to be under sound doctrine. Amen? And, and so, basically, so they wouldn't lag behind. See, when, you're under, when you have no sound doctrine and you, you talk all of the name it, claim it, and all the prosperity, let me tell you, you're lagging way behind. That's why when you hear ministry like this, you can't catch on because you're lagging behind. Amen? But you can, you can, because that's why God has placed us here for sound doctrine. So we church, we're going to use this church and Titus as our object lessons for this morning. So note this is point number one. And you can write it down. I love saying this. Write it once. You don't have to write it again. I am prepared to set things in order when I can deal with what is lacking. I am ready or prepared to set things in order when I can deal with what is lacking. When I am prepared to deal with the things that's in, listen, insufficient or absent. That's lacking. Insufficient or lacking. You know when things are lacking, sometimes they are insufficient. Other times they're just absent. When things are lacking. Sometimes they're insufficient. Sometimes they're just absent. And listen, many times in the areas of our lives, our homes and our families, we have some, some things. Listen, many of us, Because I don't want to miss anyone. In our homes, in our families, in our lives, we have some things that's not quite sufficient. There are things that won't carry us where we need to be. So we have to be willing to address or to deal with what's lacking in our homes, in our families, in our lives. Listen. If I'm awake, listen, in this dispensation of time, in this span of time, this is how you can tell if you're awake. If I'm alert and I'm aware in this dispensation of time, you should already know and have identified something that's lacking. In your life, in your family's life, you should already have identified it. If you're alert and you're aware, You should have already identified some things that are lacking. Now, I'm saying this. If you have not identified anything in your life, in your home, in your family that's lacking from March of last year until now, today, since we've been in this dispensation of time that we're in, I'd like to challenge you with this. If you have not seen one thing, I don't think that your life is perfect. I think you're asleep. If you have not identified it, and you think everything is hunky-dory, and everything is perfect in your life, in your family's life, you are no, no, your life is not perfect. Everything's good with everything. No, you're asleep. Wake up. You are asleep. Because if you've been truly awake and alert, you have identified some areas and some things that are lacking. I don't care who you are. 
So the question is, are you prepared to deal with what you have identified? See, if you've identified it, now you've got to be prepared to do something about it. Not just say, oh, I see it. But that's... No, no, no. If you've identified it, you have to be prepared to deal with it. See, some of you have identified some things, but you have yet to deal with what you've identified. Some of you have. Somebody, some of you are dealing with it. Some of you are not. Some of you just identified it, and now you're ignoring it. But let me tell you, you can't set things in order that way. You won't be able to set things in order that way. You set things in order by dealing with what you identify. So I'm prepared to set things in order, letter A, when I can deal with my lack. See, every time we talk about lack, we think of money, but you better go deeper than that. We're deeper than that. I'm prepared to set things in order when I can deal with my lack. Because oftentimes we're better with dealing with other people's lack. But I must start off making sure I can deal with my own lack. That's spiritually, that's naturally, and that's financially. That's first. Everybody say first things first. I got to deal with my lack. Are you dealing with your spiritual lack? Listen, I've heard people sing this songs like, you know, I just need a little bit more Jesus. Just a little bit more Jesus. And everybody, oh, just a little bit more Jesus. Everybody want to look. Look, heads up on this. Heads up. All of the fullness of the Godhead, <laughs> of Him bodily, is, and you're complete in Him. You don't need a little bit more of nothing. You don't need, first of all, you don't need a little bit more of Jesus, and you're not getting a little bit more of Jesus. You got, you're completing Him. I know the song sounds pretty, but it's unscriptural. You don't need a little bit more. You don't need a little bit more of the Holy Ghost. You know, and, and the main thing about it, I don't care how much you're singing, how much you're clapping, how much you're shouting for a lot, you're not getting any more because you got all of Him. Once, when He died on the cross for your sin and for the sin of the world, we got all we need. Stop hollering, oh, Paul, just give me a little bit, of, just give me more of the Holy Ghost. You don't need it. You got all of it. Well, okay, but Father, thank you. I just need more of your grace. Oh, no, don't need any more of that either. Guess why? He said his grace is sufficient. You don't need... See, we're just doing extra. That's for no reason. Because it, make, it sounds good to us. But can you imagine the way it sounds to God after what he's done for you? And you're still begging for more of what's complete. Hmm. So if I'm lacking... I don't need to get on my knees and look to heaven for anything to come down. I don't need any more Holy Ghost. I have the power of the Holy Ghost on the inside of me. I, guess what? I don't need a new word. God's already given us the word. And he's not going to write another one. It's all right here. Now, it might be new because you just saw it, but it's here. 
God gave me a new word. It was new to you, but it was always here. It has to be. He's not right. He's not giving you a new word from heaven that nobody else haven't got. It has to be in the scripture. And I say lacking spiritually. You could be lacking in application. How are you applying the word? You could be lacking in love and respect for the Father. Now, let, let, let me tell you, let, let, me, let, let me unpack that for you so you can get a clear understanding when I say you can, you can lack love and respect for the Father. Because, see, you're thinking just the Father. When you lack love and respect for those He put in authority, you lack, lack love and respect for your Heavenly Father. Now, I don't care how you look at it. That's the way God sees it. I could be lacking in the relationship. Ooh, I could be lacking in my prayer time. Because one thing, prayer is not just me talking to Him. You need to also set aside some time to listen to Him. Because He does talk back. Here it is. Never pick up your word. You don't never know what he's saying. Spiritually, I can be lacking from things that I've been taught and not incorporated in my life. Just lacking. Some of the things that's been taught in here for years, and you see people come in and do totally the opposite. You never incorporated it in your life. You never incorpor- You have to incorporate it in your life. Are you going to lack Are you following me? I may not be as righteous as I need to be if I'm not prepared to deal with those spiritual things that I've identified in my life. See, if you've identified something and you will not prepare to deal with them, you might not be as righteous as you think because you have to deal with those. Deal with those unseen things that nobody knows but you and God. God said, when are you going to deal with that? Are you prepared to deal with natural things? This is all still under the letter A. You have to deal with your lack. How many of you know that you can have some natural lack? We dealt with spiritual, but you can have natural lack. Are you prepared to deal with areas where you are lacking in your character? Just natural things. Maybe you're lacking in some knowledge, but you don't stream, you don't come to church, you don't read your Bible, you don't, you don't do any of that. Maybe you're lacking in the wisdom. Well, the Bible says that if you lack wisdom, ask God. Why you ask everybody but God? That's a lack. You may be lacking some knowledge and some understanding. Mm. That's a big lack. Oftentimes, repeated natural failure is because of the lack of knowledge and understanding. When we keep repeating, the you, you, you lack knowledge, you lack understanding... You know, you even, you even tell them, you know what, you, you're not understanding what I'm saying. You lack understanding. And you're going to repeat that same failure. 
You're never going to be a natural success unless you fix the lack of natural knowledge. That's natural knowledge. That's natural. And I believe in my heart that God wants all of us successful. And see, and I don't want you to always just think of successful as money. It's a byproduct of being successful. God not only wants us to be spiritually uh, successful, but also naturally. But you can't be naturally successful if you lack knowledge and understanding. At some point you have to deal with your lack. You may be lacking financially. And I'm not, and, and when I say financially, I'm not saying that you need another raise, a bonus, or a promotion, or a new job. You may be lacking in your decision making with your finances. And if you need a better job or a promotion or anything, you may lack understanding in your decision making. And in many, listen, and in many of your problem solving ways. That's why you're lacking financially how you handle your resources listen how you handle your resources that God have entrusted to you what you have God has entrusted God said how you handle it financial lack listen I'm prepared to set things in order let it be when I'm living what I have been taught I am prepared to set things in order when I am living what I've been taught. I can set things in order, but if I'm not living what I've been taught, it's living it's living what I've been taught that allows me to deal with my lack. It allows you to deal with your lack because you're living what you've been taught. But it also, listen, it also is qualifying me to address the lack in others because I'm living what I've been taught. Listen, there's nothing worse, everybody say nothing worse, than somebody telling you to do something and you can tell that they're not doing it themselves. Listen, I, now, everybody say this is just me. Personally, just personally, I, personally, I don't want to go to a doctor that's all out of shape. Because guess what? Not because he don't know what he's talking about, but I'm thinking to myself, now how are you going to tell me what I, do, what I need to do and your, your health is worse than mine. You're in worse shape than me, and you're going to tell me I need to do this and I need to do that. Well, let's, let's take a look further. I don't want to go to a dentist, and all his teeth are rotten. And all of his deal, because, I mean, how are you going to tell me? If you're going to come to me, I want to see your teeth as bright and white so you can make mine that way. Not to put anybody down, not to say that they're not... They, no, no, no. I'm just saying that those things, you got to... People want to see it in you. They, they say, if you say you're walking like that, they want to see it. You get a doctor that's fit, come in there and start talking to you, you want to listen to everything they say. You're like, oh yeah, they, 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 
They well, they they healthy. You go into the dentist, you be like, Oh, his teeth was beautiful. Oh yeah, I'm gonna listen to everything he's gonna say. Just natural little things. Did you hear me? You have to walk in what you've been taught. There's nothing worse, I'm going to say it again, than somebody telling you to do something and you can tell that they're not doing it themselves. When you're listening to people and you see people's lives, what they're telling you to do, you should be attentive in every, to every word. Because you see it in their life. You be like, you know what, I like listening to him. I like them there. I can see that in their life. And they want to hear it. Why? Because they look at your life. And they can tell that you're living what you are about to tell them to do. What you're telling them, they believe it. Because they like, well, I see it in you. I see it working in you. I see that you're striving for that. Again, I'm not talking about anybody being perfect. I'm talking about you can see things in people's lives. See, a lot of times we want to address the lack in others. We have to deal with our own lack that's still on the inside of us so that people can see. I'm prepared to set things in order, let us see, when I'm prepared to restore others. Paul told Titus to ordain elders in every city. In the, he said, ordain them in the similitude of the, the how I appointed you. I showed you that by appointing, appointing you the same way. You know, I would often ask Pastor Hill, I found him, Pastor, he would have Minister Haston do stuff for funerals or baptizing. He had Minister Martin do it. And I said, why do you always have them do it and you don't do it? He said, I'm preparing them for something. I'm preparing them for something. He always was ahead of the game. I'm letting, I want them to do it. It's not because he didn't want to. He's, no, I'm preparing them for something. Or he'll say, you know, I want them to teach this. I want this to happen. I want this to happen. Because I'm preparing them for something. And when Paul was telling Titus, you know, I want you to do all, get, get uh, ordained people in every city, and I want you to do it just like I did you. He was saying, you know, I, I, in other words, Paul was saying, the way I put you in crate is the way I want you to do them. And then that's the same way that we do others. And then he lays out this qualifications for elders and bishops. Look at what he says in verse 7. For a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre, but lovers of hospitality and lovers of good, of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince 
the game slayer. Meaning, those people who don't believe, they, they, their lifestyle, what they say, they're able to convince people of what they believe. You should be able to convince those who are not yet converted because of your lifestyle and the way you handle the Word. We should handle the Word of God in such a way that we can convince people. Church, you cannot deal with lack unless you are prepared to restore others. That's our heart here, is to restore others. That's what the Bible says. You that are spiritual, if a brother or sister is overtaken in a fault, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Listen, God wants us to get to a point where we have healed our own hurts, repaired our damages, repaired all of our broken places. God wants us to be ordered and strengthened so that we can go to others and heal their hurts, repair their broken lives, repair everything, rebuild their damages. God said, but first things first, it has to happen with you and your lack. And then others can be ordered and be strengthened. Note this as point number two. I can set things in order. When I prepare to set things in order, I can comfort... Wait. My glasses are fogged up. Okay. When, when When I'm prepared, number two, when I'm prepared to set things in order, I can confront what will cause failure. I can confront... What causes failure? There are some things, if not confronted, can cause failure. There are some things without confrontation will cause failure. You have to be willing what can cause failure in us, in our houses, in our families. And here's one, even in ministry, is not confronting. We must be willing to confront those things that are caused. Anything that will cause our good work to fail, we must confront it. The word confront means to face and to deal. That's all it means. To face it and to deal with a problem or situation. To face it and to deal with a problem or situation. Now, I have to say this before I unpack confrontation. I got to I, I got to say this, and all of you listen closely. And you'll never say that you're not a person that like that you don't like to confront, because it's a must. It's a must. Listen to me closely. Confrontation is not ungodly. Confrontation is not ungodly. It does not require ungodly tools to confront. Confrontation is not an ungodly process. And it doesn't require ungodly tools. Because a lot of times when we hear the word confront, we get ready to roll up our sleeves. Okay, now I'm going to confront this. 
If you're a woman, you get ready to roll your neck. Oh, no, baby. I'm, mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. That's what you hear when you sit, when you go to confront. Oh, no, I'm finna, oh, no. I'm finna confront that right now. I'm finna go. See, that's, that's why people say, oh, I don't want to, because they have a whole wrong, that's a moral way that you think you handle confrontation. Ungodly. Confrontation is never, everybody say never, an excuse to be ungodly. Confrontation is never an excuse for you to be ungodly. Confrontation is not a reason to lose your character, ever. Confrontation has to be done within the confines of our faith and according to the Word of God. Simplicity. Confrontation must always always be done within the confines of our faith and according to the Word of God. Anything else is ungodly. Again, confrontation doesn't require ungodly tools. In other words, if I love you, I'm going to love you with the love of God, but i got to confront something it's not time to get nasty. Because you know, I do love them, but now but I'm going to have... No, it's not time to get nasty. Because see, then that's what you're going to be known by. That's what you're going to be known by. Did you hear me? I love you with the love of God, but i got to confront something. It's time to... And so you're, all of a sudden your whole attitude changes. Nasty comes to play. All of a sudden, the love of God is put behind you, and i got to get nasty on this because i got to confront. Confrontation is not an ungodly thing. We have to do it in a godly way and use godly tools. And this is what you need to understand. Everybody listen closely. You can only confront what you have authority to confront. You can't confront just everything. You don't have the authority to. So you got to check that. You can only confront what you have authority to confront. See, there are some things you don't have authority to confront. Now, you may want to confront it. That's fine. But you don't have the authority to. I, I really want to. But you may not, if you don't have authority, you may not have authority to face it or to deal with it, which is confrontation. That, I, that's out of my lane. I don't have the authority to go and face that or deal with that. Because confrontation is, not, listen, confrontation is not just facing, it's dealing and if you don't have the authority to do both, then you don't have to, uh, the authority to confront. Because it's not just facing. I'm not just going and just confront you with it. Because if I don't deal with it, I just made a mess. Because confrontation is facing and dealing. So a lot of times, we like to get in the face of something. That's our thing. And women really like to do that. And we don't have the authority to deal with. 
we, we get in the face of things you don't have authority to deal with that and then all of a sudden you just got ungodly why? because I'm all in their face but I really don't have the authority to deal with the thing that I'm in their face about I really don't have the authority Listen, there is real authority. Listen, there's real authority. There's God-given authority. There's natural authority. And there's delegated authority. Listen, if you are adult parents... Now, now this, I, I, I'm going to deal with you adult parents that got adult children. Listen to me. If you are an adult parent, and have an adult child that's living on their own, listen, making their own money, paying their own way, you know, doing their own thing through life, and you have not, listen, if you have not earned their respect, and they have not seen you in the area of authority, listen, I don't care how much you want to have the authority in their life. Don't assume that you have the authority. If they, if they haven't given you, they're living on their own, they're doing their own thing, they have their own deal, they're doing their own life. If, they haven't, if you have not earned their respect, then that means they have not seen you in the necessary area of authority for them. So don't you assume that you have authority. Because, see, there's some grown-ups, 30 years old, 40 years old, you know, whatever. They're living on their own. They're making their own living. They're making their own way. And guess what? You may not like the way they're living. But they may not have given you the applied authority to confront them. you got to back off. They haven't given you the... Con- they, they, it is what it is. They're grown. They have their own house. They make their own money. They live their own life. Now, that's different with a child that lives in your house. I'm talking about grown adults. If they haven't given you the respect to have authority, then, you know, you can't take it upon yourself that you have the authority. They're not going to... They're not going to... They're not going to receive it. Here's the thing, side note. And especially for you all that have young children. Listen closely. See, we were talking about adult parents with adult children. But listen to me with young children. You parents with young children, you have to address your lack before your children get grown. See, that makes a difference. See, a lot of you didn't address your lack until after they were grown. And then now you want authority. No, they're not going to have it. Because they don't, they don't give you that kind of respect. That's why I'm telling you one with young, young. Now, deal with your lacks, the things that we're talking about. Deal with it now while they're young children. And they'll give you that respect to have that authority in their adult life. Basically, you have to do point one that we talked about before your children get grown. 
You got to do point one. Before your children get grown. Because if you don't do point one before your children get grown, you won't have a position to do point two that we're talking about. You won't. They will not be willing for you to confront what what you can cause. You may even see it's going to cause them to fail. They're not going to listen. They're not going to be willing for you to confront what you can see that's going to cause them to fail. They won't. Now the thing that Titus was sent there to address was unruly teachers. Look how he does it. Verse 10. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision. Listen what he's saying. Whose mouth must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said, The Cretans are always liars and beasts and slow bellies. Titus' witnesses is, uh, Titus' witness is true. Wherefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in faith, not giving heed to the Jewish fables and the commandments of men that turn from the truth. See, he began to deal with it. He said, This is what's happening. He said, rebuke them sharply, that they be turned, that they may be turned. Now watch this. I am prepared to set things in order, letter A, when I have boldness. See, he was bold. He went to him. He said, uh uh-uh. uh, slow belly, you liars, you doing it for you. He handled it. He was under authority to handle it by Paul. Now, boldness is simply to speak and to act. And I'm not going to even, because most of us know how to be bold. I'm not going to even stay on that long. Let's just move on. Letter B. I am prepared to set things in order because some people, oh, where am I? Oh, when I'm ready to set things in order, I know the truth. When I, letter B. I am prepared to set things in order because I know the truth. We set things in order with truth. We don't set things in order, listen, with boldness. But my boldness has to be based in truth. And truth has to be lived and seen before it is proclaimed. I'll say it again. We set things in order. We don't set things in order with boldness, but boldness has to be a base has to be based in truth. And truth has to be lived and seen before it is proclaimed. So I'm prepared to see things uh, in order when I'm bold, but also when I know truth. You got to be bold, but you got to, you know, I've seen people that's bold and just as ignorant. You got to have be bold and know truth if you're going to prepare to put, set things in order. Let us see. I'm prepared to set things in order when I am motivated by love. God always takes us back to love. The Bible tells us that we should speak the truth in love. 
so I can be bold and I can know the truth by my motivation, but my motivation must still be love. And see, oftentimes when we're confronting things, it may be truth that we're confronting and will cause failure if it's not done in love. It may be truth, it may be something you're facing, and it may be something that you need to deal with or you've dealt with. But in order for it to work, the motivation must be love. If you do not do it in love, then boldness and truth will not be received. If the love is not there, it will not be received. You have to, you have to love got to be the motivation. Even though Paul tells Titus to deal sharply with them and address it firmly, he also wants those who are speaking that's unruly in an unruly way, he wants their end. He wants them to receive it and return the truth. So even though he got on them like that, he got on them, but he did it in love so that they could know truth. He wants them to be made whole. When people are off and they're out of order, you want them to be made whole. You don't want to shoot them down. You don't want to tear them down. That's not the godly way. Titus wanted their lives to be founded on sound doctrine. And, to, and he wanted to correct them. He wanted to correct their faith and what they were saying faith was. So Paul didn't say go in and confront them, shut them down, kick them out, throw them to the side of the curb and get rid of them. No, he didn't do that. He said go and address them. Sharply, but make sure that they come out with sound in the faith. Paul still had love in his heart for those who were acting in a way that didn't glorify God. See, we see people that act in a way that don't glorify God. We don't want to show love. We don't want to show love. But that doesn't glorify God. And listen, church, I am prepared to set things in order. When I have boldness, I know truth, I am motivated by love, and let us see, I have hope. Paul had hope even for those who were unruly, who were lying, who had incorrect motivations, he still had hope for them. And church, whenever we confront, we should confront with hope. It's going to do something. God's word will not return void. I have hope that this is going to get through. Hope that through the process, and, and how does hope do? Through a process of boldness. See, I'm boldly proclaiming because I believe God's word. I'm going to share this truth with them. You and, and let me tell you, when people see you have a strong conviction and a boldness, but you're sharing it in love, I'm telling you, that gives people hope in you, and you have hope in the situation. Like, you know what? They were kind to me, even in, they didn't judge me. Church, I'm prepared to set things in order. Point number three, last point. When I can strengthen what is lagging behind. I must strengthen what's lagging behind. In other words, when something is lagging behind or in a place where it should not be, Titus was sent here because the church of Crete was lagging behind. They were lagging behind as it relates to sound doctrine. So in the second chapter of Titus, he tells Titus to teach these things so they will become sound doctrine. So if we see someone lagging behind, we got to teach. 
I love that. Titus began to give instruction to aged men and to aged women. He gives instruction to young men, young women. He's telling them how they ought to live. He's giving them sound doctrine. It doesn't matter the age. It doesn't matter any of that. You have to give people sound doctrine. And that's what we're giving you this morning, sound doctrine. In chapter 2, look at verse 7 and 8. And all these things showing thyself a pattern of good works in doctrine, showing uncorruptible gravity, sincerity, verse 8. Sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. I am prepared to set things in order when letter A, I'm not lagging behind. See, sometimes we can't help others because we're lagging ourselves. Listen, when I'm prepared to set things in order, letter B, I can set the standard. I have to set the standard. That is, I'm willing, I have a willingness in me to set the standard. There is a willingness in me to be what I want others to be. What I want others to become, I'm willing to be that. Listen, I have, to, I have made up my mind to, you have to, everybody has to make up, I want to be outstanding. Make, up, make that up in your mind. Instead of saying, oh, I'm never going to be. Uh-uh. Make up in your mind, I'm going to be outstanding. Because guess what? Me, as pastor of this church, that's my, that's my, I want to be outstanding. And guess what? I want to pastor a church where everybody wants to be outstanding. Not just a few. Everybody in here needs to be outstanding. Because we can. Every one of us. I am sick of churches where the pastor's outstanding. Everybody, all of us, must be outstanding. Say, okay, you know, I follow, you know, I follow my path. Well, follow me in that. I want to be outstanding. Make it easier for me to pastor. By just being outstanding. You have to make a decision to be outstanding. You're never going to stand out unless you're willing to be outstanding. That's how you stand out. We have to be willing to be the standard what we want others to become. That's what Paul was telling Titus. He was saying, teach this. But more importantly, show yourself as a pattern for others to follow. Show yourself as a pattern for others. I believe that's what I found in Pastor Dewey. He showed himself as a pattern for us to follow. We need to show it. Now we have stepped in position and we have to show ourselves as a pattern for others to follow. And when we get back to where we're going and we go into the prisons and stuff, we got to show a pattern. Not just, you know, just a quote-unquote we're ministry that go into to prisons. No, no, no. We want to set a standard. Well, they said, no, that was outstanding. Everything about them was outstanding. They were to the point. They were no, I mean, wasn't no play with them. They just got to the point. They did their business. They got out there, and we can't wait for them to come back. Outstanding. 
And church last but not least, I'm prepared to set things in order when I can teach the standard. See, not only be the standard, you can teach the standard. That is, I can teach others because they see it in my life. How to be what God would have them to be. What, how God would have them to do. What God would have them to do. So they'll no longer have lacking in any area of their lives. I can teach it. I can teach it by the word and I can teach it with my life. Here's the standard. Here is the standard. Look at me and you'll see the standard. And we walk and we operate according to that standard. Every one of us, we're outstanding. We must be. We're called to it. We're called to every area in that perspective. We say, no, I'm going to be outstanding. We confront with godliness, but we make confrontation. We have to, and we do it with boldness, but it's never, we never use an ungodly tool. We come in where people say, you know what, they confronted, but they, they confronted it so beautifully, I was just ready to receive it. That's, 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 how, that's, how, that's how I want it done in this ministry. Every confrontation should be done in a godly manner. Because let me tell you, we deal with people all the time. You're going to always have some confrontation that you're going to have to deal with things. But there's a way. There's always a way. There's always a way. And this is the way. We want to operate. We want to be able to do all the... We're preparing ourselves for God's next move. And in being prepared, we must set things in order. Everything that we talk about, my character, I've got to set it in order. The way I am, I've got to set it in order. I can't just jump and do things off the top of my head. I have a standard. Every time, you want, every time I want to do something off the top of my head, or, or someone makes me angry, let me tell you, it's like, it's like, God allows Pastor Hill to come in my head every time and, and I always grab a hold of his temperate spirit that he had in him. And I grab a hold that it just calms me down and let me think it through and allows me to clear my head and allows me to make the right decisions. And that's the way I feel about this church and what we're doing and how we're doing it. It's all about moving when God say move in the way that God say no. That's what we're always going to do. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.